welcome to that startup show. I'm Ray Johnston running the show solo tonight in the absence of Benjamin Law. Is this some sort of sign? Should we consider renaming ourselves that stop-down show? <laughs> the rhetorical answer is... Maybe. But before the haters get too excited, hi haters, not sure why you're watching, but hi anyway, I'm actually referring to one of this episode's themes. When things go, well, a little haywire and even end in a burnout. Sounds cool, doesn't it? A burnout's a thing your dad did when he was 19 in his FJ Holden in a Coles car park. Or you could do it in a Tesla S just so the bloody thing makes a noise. But in startup world, it's more like lying in a puddle of tears on your bedroom floor, Googling one-way end-of-the-world Antarctic doom retreat. Because, let's face it, being the next Mark Zuckerberg isn't easy, especially when you're not the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> According to the Startup Genome Report, at least nine in ten startups will fail. But that doesn't mean that you should try to make the other nine companies collapse. That is not a productive use of your time. <laughs> time. Remember that? See, burnout can happen to entrepreneurs or anyone when they work more than the normal 80-hour work week. You know you're in burnout mode when you start downloading all the meditation apps onto your phone and then start deleting them because they're taking up too much space on your phone. It could be that moment where you not only realise your dream project has turned into a nightmare, but you also get a nasty wakey-wakey from mum to remind you that it's your Year 12 English exam and you forgot to read the novels and you've been asleep in the exam room and you're nude and on fire. <laughs> We've all been there. All jokes aside, conflict inside a company and inside yourself is a serious topic and one we don't often talk about for many reasons. So, of course, we're going to talk about it later with our excellent panel. And if you've got a story that you want to share, please jump on social media, people. TSU show and hashtag that startup show. You know the drill. Burnout. It's that time when you just can't switch off when you're not at work. You're at family dinner and you start talking about having seconds as closing a series B round. <laughs> Brushing your teeth becomes a tooth hack. You talk about going to the toilet as making a successful exit. And Netflix and chill means binge second screening TEDx talks at double speed. Helping us avoid burning out are three people who know the game. Our first guest is working on machine systems that help reduce stress in the office. So, the opposite of photocopiers. She's also the founder of a business called Execs with Soul. Talk about smashing stereotypes. Please welcome the CEO of Pioneera, Danielle Owen-Whitford. Our next guest is CEO, Chairman and Founder of Zendesk, a global company that builds software helping more than 125,000 organisations around the world better work with their customers. He's also the author of the book Startup Land. You know what? He should go on that startup show. I forget its name. You know the one. So sorry. 
Please welcome Mikel Svein. Mikel fans in the audience tonight. And our final guest has done everything from hosting ABC Radio to running her own yoga retreat to working with vulnerable clients in prisons to creating mindfulness programs for Google and Facebook to appearing in a giant lotto ball costume. Just the once, though. <laughs> She's program director for Blue Chili's newest Accelerator, a regional startup program called Accelerate, and is the founder and CEO of Mindful Under Fire. Please welcome Megan Flamer. <laughs> now, as is customary, we're going to start with a big question. What is burnout and why does it happen? Burnout can be a lot of different things. Um, it can be overwhelm. I think it can be taking on too much. It's, it's usually the point in the road where something forces a stop. You know, burnout is where the legs come out from underneath you and you just can't do any more, um, whatever that point is. I mean, it's a really individual thing. For someone, it, it might be a death in a family. For someone else, it might be, you know, their business isn't going well. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things. What would you say it is? Yeah, so I, um, if you look at the medical terms, they tend to talk about burnout when stress becomes chronic. So it's chronic in the body. Your adrenaline is such a high level that your body actually can't cope with it anymore. So it starts to shut down. And so physically you see things start to happening to your you know, your health physically. Uh, mentally, you start to withdraw, you start to isolate yourself because you just don't have the energy to connect with people anymore. And it's literally like a candle going out. Your body just starts to shut down. And that's really when you're getting to that burnout stage. Wow. What about your experiences? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that, that you're probably burning out at the point where it's hard to deal with the constant pace of change and ambiguity. Um, and, and, you know, like, because to some extent we all kind of, you know, we like to have new challenges and so on. But at some point, if you have new challenges every single day and they increase in speed every single day, you know, there's definitely a chance that you can, you can burn out. Well, there you have it. Now... We're going to throw to something fun now, a bit of a change of pace. Each time that we do that startup show, we like to have a quiz. And this time, we've created a game called Time Out. We all know that one of the keys to avoiding burnout is to have interests outside of your business. It's really important. So I'm going to give you the name of a tech CEO and you have to tell me what their favourite pastime is, besides doing laps in their swimming pools full of cash, which I assume they're all doing all the time. So first, let's test our buzzers. Mikkel? Danielle? And Megan? Nice. All right, we are buzzing, people. Let's quiz. What is the hobby of Sandy Lerner of Cisco Systems? Is it A, jousting, B, baking cupcakes, or C, using a flamethrower to create wood-burning art? I, I reckon it's wood-burning art. You're going to go with the art? Yes. Yeah, C. The answer is actually A, jousting. Oh. 
She has custom armour. I'm not making this up. And even breeds shire horses on her ranch. She puts the land in Lansing. <laughs> Next up, we've got Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and Square. Is his hobby A, square dancing, B, recording bird sounds, or C, sewing? <laughs> I'm going to say square dancing because square's got to come from somewhere. That does make a lot of yeah, sense. going logical. Unfortunately, it's not correct. <laughs> the answer is actually sewing. And Dorsey was fired from Twitter in 2008 for focusing too much on outside hobbies, like his sewing classes. <laughs> Seriously. Let's face it, you know, sewing was the pre-internet version of Twitter, mindlessly passing time and occasionally doing a bit of a stitch-up. <laughs> Next on our list is Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon. Does he spend his spare time A, whitewater rafting, B, skiing, or C, building a 10,000-year clock? He's building a clock. He is building a clock. <laughs> now, he's not personally building the clock with his you know, bare hands, but he is the chief investor on the project and it's on his land, which is in a mountain. It ticks once a year and the minute hand moves around every century and a cuckoo comes out once a millennium. <laughs> this is all very, very real. You can look this up, I promise you. Bezos is planning to be awoken from his cryogenic slumber after the 10,000 years to explain to the Amazon <laughs> robots who have taken over Earth what a cuckoo is. <laughs> Next, we have Steve Wozniak of Apple. What does he do in his spare time? Is it A, baking, B, playing Segway polo, or C, writing the blog Fake Steve Jobs? <laughs> I'm going to say uh, baking because apple, apple pie. Baking would make a lot of sense, but mm. the answer is actually B, Segway no. polo. Oh. Does it even exist? Is there such a thing? It does exist, yeah. and the championship trophy is called the Woz Cup in his honour. <laughs> Unfortunately, things haven't gone so well in his expansion into Segway jumps racing, though. <laughs> Next, we have Ginny Rometty of IBM. Does she spend her time, A, scuba diving, B, finger painting, or C, writing Harry Potter erotica? <laughs> I think scuba diving. I hope scuba yeah. diving. <laughs> Finally, we have a regular answer and it is scuba diving. Yes. Maybe it's why IBM is called Big Blue. That is the end of the game, though. You've all done so well and the scores are around here somewhere. I'm very sure. So, folks, let's get stuck into issues around when things don't go quite to your perfect business plan. Mikkel, you wrote Startup Land. So, what is Startup Land and how are the roller coasters? <laughs> um, so, Startup Land is, is both a physical location, uh, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, but it's also a mental state. Um, and, and like once you enter startup land, it's, 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 it's hard to get out of it. But it's also a fascinating journey um, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, something that, you know, 
it, I think it's a privilege to try to go through that. And I think everybody who has kind of tried to be in a startup and made a startup and made a business of their own, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. Uh, you will probably fail, but nevertheless, you will have a fantastic journey. Fantastic. Now, Megan, you've spent some time in the heart of Silicon Valley. Is it a world that kind of breeds stress? And how do we stop the glorification of crunch culture coming out of there? This is one of my big bugbears. Um, you stop glorifying it by stopping glorifying it. I mean, I, I wish it were sort of some other magic bullet, but it's like we start so many conversations with, oh, yeah, I'm so busy and it's so hard and we wear that like a badge of honour. What if we started having different conversations around it and having different conversations with our friendship groups, with our families and, and in our companies as well? Um, I think... I think it is a, a real crunch culture and I think that people do really glorify it all the time, you know, how many hours you work in a week and that it has to be done that way. Um, I'm really excited to be back in Australia and working on programs in Australia and New Zealand where they're starting to come up in a different way and people are recognising that maybe this isn't worth costing all of my relationships and, um, you know, <laughs> no. my health and wellbeing. Yeah, and, yeah. and building it in a, in a different way. Um, but, I, you know, I think having those conversations in a different way is, is probably one of the, the very first steps that we can take. Um, and stopping people, as they say it, it's like, hey, you, you do seem like you are too busy. What can we do about that? How can we take something off your plate? How can you delegate a bit more? Have you had enough sleep? Yeah. When was the last time you ate? And just building those conversations and, and flexing that muscle more. I think I need to hear this tonight. This is good. <laughs> now, Danielle, you're using algorithms to help people deal with stress before they even know that they need to, which is pretty cool. What are some of the warning signs? So we're using what the medical profession has used for decades in helping people understand what's going on. So basically language and behaviour. And Megan said it before, people talk about how busy they are, how stressed they are. So we're looking for words within organisation that indicate stress. So words like helpless, hopeless, worthless, phrases like here we go again, I'm too stretched, I don't want to do this anymore. So once we see those signs, then we can, in, we can intervene early because at that point you're still at the point where you can do something. You can take a break, you can go for a walk, you can have a chat to a friend, you can, you know, shut your laptop literally and have a bit of time out. So you're at that point where you can do something. When it gets chronic and you get to the burnout stage, it becomes a lot harder to do something. So we're wanting to actually help people prevent the burnout by taking the step that they need to and starting to allow their body to self-regulate. Our bodies are pretty amazing when we allow it to do what it needs to do. So just taking that breath and to self-regulate and the words give us the indication to do that. Nice. Now, I was wondering if you could share one of your own stories of a tough time and how you overcame it. You know, working yourself to death, the clues in the name, it's not good for us, it's not good for the company, so why do we do it? <laughs> I think part of it is wanting it all. You know, yeah. we have this idea that I can have everything. I can have the relationship. I can have a great family life. I can be super healthy and, and super fit and I can have loads of money. You know, we chase that and I think that's exciting for people and that is an aspiration. Um, but I think we also get really attached that it looks a particular way, mm. that it looks exactly this way and if it doesn't look that exact way, then I've failed. 
And I think when we can start to change the conversation around it, and again, like I, I love the, the language piece of it because how we talk about it, how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about our circumstances can really change the perspective. So, for example, if I'm talking about all these things that are happening to me, people are dumping work on me, I'm a victim of all of those circumstances. There's all these bits and pieces that are happening to me and I can't cope. Whereas if I'm stopping and saying, well, do I have to do this right now? Does it have to look this way? Can we ship this presentation in a different way? Could we just do it halfway, you know, ship it before it's perfect? Um, having those conversations in different ways and, and externalising them, like actually having the conversations with the team and saying, I'm freaking out, like this is too much right now. Who can take something off my plate? The moment that you have that conversation with another person is the moment that it shifts and they can provide some perspective and you can work something out that maybe doesn't look exactly what, what you thought but it could still be something amazing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Mikkel? <laughs> well, I think you can... Uh, I think as a person, you can do a lot more than you think. And I, if you want to do great things in life, it's going to take a lot of, going to take a lot of work. It's going to be stressful. <laughs> it's going to be sacrifices. It's going to hurt. Uh, so, like... Uh, but, you know, as you... You know, go through this journey. Of course, you need to find balance in your life because you can't continue like that. And 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 you know, as you set your side higher every single day, like you need to find stuff you can leave behind because you can't carry all your luggage with you. Um, but like, we also need to embrace that. You know, I think it is important to to do great things. You you you. It it does require hard work. Have you found that balance in your life? Oh, my God. Is it? <laughs> I would love to say yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm clearly the, you know, calm-centred person you see in front of you. But it's, I know, it's I was going to say, you seem to have it all together. No, just tonight. Um, but no, no, it, look, it, it changes. Every moment, it's a little bit different. I, when I think that I've got a handle on it, then something changes. And I think... Particularly if you're going into startup land, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be successful because you think you can be successful. I think it's a bit like a marriage. No one goes into it expecting to get divorced. I know nine out of ten startups fail, but I choose not to think about that. Um, you don't go into a startup expecting it to fail. So you really want to work very hard and make it work. So it, it shifts and changes. Um, I think to Mikhail's point, as you go on the journey, you start to see the things that are signs for you. So I'm starting to get much better at noticing the signs and listening to the people around me. I have a 12-year-old daughter called Indy. She'll be very excited to hear her name mentioned on TV and my son Baxter, because he'll get upset if I don't say his name. Um, and she calls me on it. So when she sees me start working like a demon and ordering them around the house, she'll come and stand next to me and say, Mum, are you going to work like this? So she's like my real-life pioneer that calls me and I go, actually, breathe, no, I'm not going to work like this. So using those support systems around you and looking for your own signs is what's worked for me. How do we be those support systems for the people around us? You know, if we're looking at someone who is clearly at risk of burnout, especially if they don't want to admit that they're struggling, uh, you know, how do you help them? And, and are people scared to be vulnerable? And especially women in startups as well. There's a lot of, a lot of prongs to this question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think absolutely. I think people are scared to be vulnerable full stop, men and women for different reasons. I think particularly in startup land because there's such a lack of women in technology and there's so much pressure to get more women in technology and then you bring women into technology like me and then there's a lot of pressure to perform. So it's pressure, pressure, pressure. Because you're performing on behalf of all of your gender. Oh, my God, I'm bringing the whole human <laughs> women race with me, which is awesome. It's fantastic. But 
there's a lot of pressure to perform. Yeah. So I think definitely. And I think whilst the conversation socially around mental health is happening, I still think there's a stigma associated with it and that makes people very vulnerable. We are in large organisations all the time and we interview users all the time about our products. And one of the things they say to us is, I'm really pleased you want to help me because I want the help, but please don't show my data to my boss mm. because I don't want my boss to think that I can't cope yeah. because then I'll be discriminated against. And, you know, I, can't, I get it because that's... A, may be what happens. So I do think people find it very difficult to talk about. Finding the people around you that you can trust, either within your workplace or outside of your workplace, I think is pretty important. And realising that it's okay to talk to someone. I think we internalise a lot. That was my problem. I internalised everything until crash and burn time. And then I realised to have one or two people you can really trust and be vulnerable with, and that helps significantly. If you are that person that is trusted, that someone is turning to, what can you do to help them? Well, I think from an organizational perspective, uh, like you have, to, you have to build a structure, you have to build an organization that supports people's work-life balance, you know, and it's important that people have a full life. Mm. You know, you don't want people in your organization that only can figure out working because then they build terrible skills for, you know, relationships. Um, but what you want to do is like if when everybody goes through their phases with personal issues or a lot of stress and all these things, and like I think the best solution is always to like, people have to find out a way of building a team where they can, you know, have people rise, you know? So you can, so you have a chance to step back when you need to and can have other people rise that can take over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the beauty of, of, of building teams, you know, that people, if they get the opportunity, they want to do more and they want to show their uh, value and they want to get their chance. And, like, this is a perfect opportunity. Give them a little push and, you know, they'll figure it out. Now, there is a lot of pressure placed on startups to just keep swimming. I'm looking at you, Dory, regardless of the reality of what's going on around them. But does there come a point when you should just walk away? Keep swimming is important when you're building a company. It is important. Um, Finding when to, say, stop is almost impossible. And that's the dilemma of building a startup is that one side of it, you struggle and you know you're not going to succeed. The other side of you know that, you know, you believe so hard in what you're doing. So finding that balance where you say stop is, is almost impossible. But, like, if you're not in a good place anymore, you know, and, you know, I don't know how to quantify that. If you don't feel like you're in a good place, walk away. You know, there's something else out there. And how do we stop founders feeling like a business failure is a personal failure? Yeah, especially when you've put so much of yourself into it and when it's played out in public. How do, how do we stop people feeling that way? I, I think that's, I mean, it's a hard one to do, but it's also one of the things, so I'm, I'm in charge of an accelerator program at the moment. It's one of the things we're baking in with really early stage startups for that exact reason. Like you are not your company. Your company is something that's trying to solve a particular problem and you may go on to run seven other companies. You might go on to be the CEO of a billion other things. This is just one aspect that you're trying and we can look at all of the data of, you know, maybe your seventh startup will be the one that works. That doesn't make you a failure. It just means that you're learning how to do it better. So think again, the language around it, the way we have those conversations, creating that separation... And then my other big one is meditating is a great way to create that separation. If you're able to step back, and I like what you said about having other people around you, having a community that can encourage you to step back, 
take that breath and have that perspective and recognize like, is it such a big deal? Yeah, you put a lot of time and effort into it. You learned a lot and on to the next thing. There will be something else that you can do and, and succeed at. Yeah. yeah. On a broader cultural level, you know, in, in the US, for example, you know, failure is almost a badge of honour for, for startups. What is it do you think about Australian culture that sees failure as a dirty word as opposed to a learning experience? Yeah, it's interesting because when we were, we were in the US recently, um, uh, a few startup founders and myself, and they were talking about you as a startup founder, you actually aren't successful until you failed. Yeah. So they celebrate that and we don't do that here. And I just, I talk to people about failure. The only failure is not trying. So in my books, if you don't try, that's the fail. If, it, if you give it a go and it doesn't work, oh, well, you've given it a go. But at a very early stage, we talk about not uh, separating the person from the company, but at the early stage, you are the company. So it's really hard to separate it out. I think in Australia, we have you know, very high expectations of ourselves, but there's a little bit of pressure around tall poppies as well. So this is almost the reverse of that. So if you become too successful, we don't like that. We pull you down. If you're not successful enough, we don't like that. We want to pull you up. So it's, it's an interesting place to be. Um, I just stop listening to what everyone else says and try and focus on you know, what's in here because that's ultimately what's going to get you through. It's hard, but that's, that's what I've tried to focus on. <laughs> <laughs> When your project has failed, what's the best way to find closure for that? To just put it on the shelf and walk away? Keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, there's so many great things you can work on out there, you know, and, like, it's always, like, if you fail with something, if you, you know, if you fail with your company or whatever, fail with your relationships, it's, you know, it's always, you always have a hard period, but there's a whole world out there. There's a whole sea full of fish or, well, so yeah. keep, keep, <laughs> keep swimming swim to your next project and that is all we have time for please thank our panel Daniela Whitford Spain Megan Flamer next episode we're going to look at civic tech is technology good for democracy or disrupting it or is that just a pile of fake news see you then Thank <laughs> you.